I just love singing praises to Jesus. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Elijah's mission as a prophet was one of condemnation to Israel for her sins. His voice was of fearless reproof, calling kings and people to turn from their evil ways. Elisha's was a more peaceful mission. His it was to build up and strengthen the work that Elijah had begun. He came in personal contact with the people, bringing them healing and rejoicing, teaching them the compassion and love of God. It was on the occasion of one of his visits to the school of the prophets at Gilgal that one of his many miracles was performed. And one of the sons of the prophets came to Elisha, saying, Elisha, sir, the place where we dwell with thee is too small. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us build a larger place. And Elisha went with them to Jordan, encouraging them by his presence, giving them instruction, and even performing a miracle to aid in their work. Master, as I was hewing a beam, the axe head fell into the deep water, and I cannot recover it. And, alas, master, it was a borrowed axe. Where fell it? Right there, master. Uh, uh, hand me that little stick. Thank you. I shall toss the stick on the water where fell the axe head. The axe head came to the surface of the water, floating. <laughs> it, it's, it's a miracle. Did you ever see anything so wonderful? <laughs> yes, I have. I came here several years before you did, and I've seen other miracles. Let me tell you about two that happened while Gehazi was still with him. It was during a severe famine that we were gathered. We have nothing to eat, sir. There's nothing in the marketplace to buy. What are we to do, Elisha, sir? Do you believe that death from starvation is certain? Well, perhaps. Perhaps not. As a student here at the school, you are taught to exercise faith. Well, I have faith, Elisha, sir. Faith that whatever happens is the express will of God. Gehazi. Yes, master. Uh, place a pot upon the fire and let it simmer. Uh, several of you young men go out among the fields and look for herbs, uh, nuts, plants, gourds, anything that seemeth edible. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here, sir. Here's some gourds I found. Mm, well, they look rather good. <laughs> Cut them up, shred them, and put them in the steaming pot. Yes, sir. Come on, fellas. Have something to eat. A steaming bowl full of pottage. Here, here's your place, sir, at the head of the table. Thank you. Oh, Lord God, we seek a blessing upon this food. Bless it to our physical, mental, and spiritual good, that we may serve thee better each day. Amen. Gehazi, fill each man's bowl from the pot. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, thank you, Gehazi. Thank you. Mm, this this pottage tastes rather, rather bitter. Well, what do you expect? After all, I found the gourds on a wild vine. It is bitter. Are you sure you didn't pick any of those egg-shaped gourds? They're poisonous, you know. I think this pottage is poison. Huh? Oh, Elisha, sir, the wild gourds I picked must have been 
poisonous ones. Oh, poisonous. Well, is there any meal in the place, any at all? Uh, crumbs in the bottom of the barrel, perhaps. Why? Well, scrape them up and bring them hither to me. Here you are, sir. All the meal we have. Thank you. Gehazi, I'm going to cast this meal into the pot. Now, stir it well. You may now serve it to the young men. For the Lord God of Israel hath removed the poison of it. Sir, I take It was at Gilgal during the same famine that Elisha performed another miracle in his lifelong effort to bring a knowledge of the love of God to the people of Israel. Art thou Elisha, the holy man of God? I am Elisha, servant of God. I have come from Baal Shalisha with food for thee, that thou may not die of hunger. May the Lord bless thee and prosper thee for thy kind and generous deed. It isn't much, only twenty small loaves of barley and a few ears of grain. There are others here besides myself who are sorely in need of food. May I share your gift with them? Oh, I don't mind, but, sir, there is scarcely enough for thee. The Lord will provide. Gehazi, give of these barley loaves and the grain to the people that they may eat. Well, there are a hundred souls here, master, and only these small loaves and little grain. Should I set this little before so many? Give it to them, for thus saith the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. So Gehazi set the food before them, and they did eat. And there was left some over, even as the Lord said. I think Elisha must be a very kind man. Yes, very kind. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at one 800 634 0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
loves your lemonade. Oh, terrific. Yes, this is the life. A warm spring evening, sitting on the porch, hanging out with my beautiful granddaughter, Mariam. Oh, Grandma, I'm not beautiful. I look like a sheep. A sheep? Who told you that? Alexi Parrish, a guy at school. Oh, yes, Alexi. Didn't you once say he dyed his hair green? That's him. Then you would certainly want to value his opinion on what's beautiful and what's not. <laughs> I see what you mean. But I wish I looked different. What would you change? Oh, my nose, my ears, my eyes. Basically everything from the hair down. Let me ask you a question, Mariam. All those movie stars you see in the magazines, do you like the way they look? Sure, they're beautiful. Then why are they always having painful and expensive operations to change the way they look? Why are they spending thousands and thousands of dollars to shorten their noses, lengthen their chins, tuck their tummies, stretch their necks, or fatten their lips? If they're so beautiful, why do they keep trying to change? That doesn't make much sense. What makes sense is to just sit back and be satisfied with the way God made you. Stay healthy and strong, but try to look like a movie star? <laughs> That's just silly because they don't even like the way they look. By the way, I happen to know why they go through all those operations. You do? Yes. Every one of them wants to look like my granddaughter, Mariam. Oh, Grandma. Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Have you ever been asked to be in a wedding? Maybe someone wanted you to be a junior bridesmaid or an usher. Maybe they wanted you to light the candles or spread flower petals. If you have, you know how crazy the wedding planning and rehearsals can be. That's what Maria finds out in this shoebox kids mystery. This time, Maria has a real problem. She's excited about being in her aunt's wedding, but everything is going wrong. Should she refuse to be a junior bridesmaid? Can you figure out what happened to Maria's missing dress before she does? Chapter 5. A Pain in the Neck Maria felt sorry for Pastor Hill. Every time he tried to talk, he sneezed. Sometimes he sneezed five sneezes in a row. Maria sat down in a pew until it was her turn to learn her part in the wedding. If I had a cold like that, I wouldn't have to be in the wedding, she thought. Later, while she was practicing walking up the aisle as she was supposed to do at the wedding, she couldn't help but think about the next day when lots and lots of people would be sitting in the pews. Will they notice my dress, she wondered. She didn't think she would ever get it out of her mind. The wedding still wouldn't be anything as she had imagined it would be, but she wasn't going to quit either. Angie and Ben were counting on her to keep her word. Somewhere between talking to her mom about commitment and the end of the rehearsal, she made up her mind she would stick to her commitment. Boy, am I tired, Maria thought as the Vargas family piled into the car for the drive home. After fastening her seatbelt and making sure Yo-Yo was fastened in, Maria leaned her head against the window and closed her eyes. She didn't even try to pick out the Big Dipper in the sky or try to find the North Star as she usually did at night. She could hear her parents talking softly in the front seat. 
Do you think Pastor Hill will be well enough to perform the wedding tomorrow? Her mother asked. Her dad's voice sounded worried. I don't know. You could tell he was feeling pretty bad tonight. That made Maria's eyes pop open for a second. What will happen if Pastor Hill can't be there, she wondered. And I thought my dress was a disaster. Angie might have to put off the whole wedding. Do you think Pastor Hill will be well enough to perform the wedding tomorrow? Her mother asked. Her dad's voice sounded worried. I don't know. You could tell he was feeling pretty bad tonight. That made Maria's eyes pop open for a second. What will happen if Pastor Hill can't be there, she wondered. And I thought my dress was a disaster. Angie might have to put off the whole wedding. Thinking about Pastor Hill reminded her of that strange phone call the day her dress arrived. I forgot to tell Mom or Dad about Pastor Hill being on the phone and in the front yard at the same time. I'd better do that right now. But her eyes were closing again. I'll just rest for a few seconds, then tell them, she decided. Two seconds later, it seemed like, Chris was shaking her shoulder. Hey, Maria, wake up, we're home. Sleepily, Maria tried to raise her head, but a sharp pain ran right down one side of her neck. Her head felt as if it didn't want to stay on her shoulders. Her neck hurt too bad to hold it up. She tried holding up her head with her hands, but she quickly discovered she couldn't open her door at the same time. I must have a kink in my neck from sleeping like that. What am I going to do, Maria thought. Mom and Dad were already out and unlocking the front door. Yo-Yo must have slid out on Chris's side, so she can't help. Suddenly, Chris's face was smashed up against the outside of her window. What are you doing? He mouthed the words and steamed up the window. Maria groaned. Oh, great. Chris will just laugh at me because my neck won't work right. I'm just not having a very good week. Trying to smile as pleasantly as possible, she turned her head as far as she could toward the window. Chris's grin was stuck to her window. Please open the door, she asked. To her surprise, Chris didn't laugh or make stupid faces or yell loud enough to the whole neighborhood that his sister had a kink in her neck. Instead, he opened the door with a wide, sweeping bow. There you are, he said nicely. Too nicely, Maria thought. Carefully, she moved her legs out of the car and stood up. Thank you, Chris. No problem, sis, Chris replied with a smile. I thought you would do something dumb, Maria said. Chris acted shocked. Who, me? Yes, you. You are my brother. I think I know you well enough by now. Maria thought it would be a good idea to keep an eye on Chris as she started toward the house, but her head could only be pointed in one direction. Slam! She heard the car door close behind her. Then she heard another sound, a very loud sound. Yow! Chris screamed as if he had slammed something in the car door. Maybe his whole head. With the kink in her neck, Maria didn't think her head would even turn, but she just knew Chris had hurt himself badly. Her head was turning before she could stop it, and it hurt, almost as much as it hurt to see Chris standing there with a grin on his face. That was mean, she yelled as she rubbed her neck. It was a cruel joke to play. I really thought you were hurt. Raising his hands, Chris wiggled all his fingers. But I'm not. Aren't you glad? Maria sighed and turned around. Sometimes she thought she had one brother too many. Chris trotted up beside her as they entered the house. How's your neck, he asked. It still hurts, thanks to you, Maria grumbled. Chris's smile disappeared. I'm sorry, I guess that wasn't a very nice thing to do. Do you want me to rub your neck for you, or can I go find the heating pad? Mom likes to use that when she's got a sore neck. Maria frowned. How can brothers be so mean one minute and nice the next? Chris only shrugged and walked off to find their mom. It was a pretty mean joke, wasn't it? He called back. 
It sure was, Maria answered, but it proves that what I've been telling everyone is true. You really are a pain in the neck. Chris laughed, and Maria headed up to her room. She had to take two looks at her clock to be sure of the time, and she still couldn't believe it was so late. She quickly changed into her pajamas and crawled under the covers. Yo-Yo already had her pajamas on, but before climbing into bed, she stopped by Maria's room. Good night, Maria. Maria smiled. Good night, Yo-Yo. Are you going to be in the wedding? Yo-Yo asked. Maria started to nod, but stopped quickly. Ow! I guess so, she answered as she rubbed her neck again. Do you have to, even if you don't want to? Yo-Yo wanted to know. I said I would be in it for Aunt Angie, so I will. It won't be so bad. I'll just be different. Maria tried to explain. It would be selfish for me not to be in the wedding just because I don't like the dress I'm supposed to wear. Yo-Yo didn't move. She was thinking very hard. Maria yawned and closed her eyes. I could help, Yo-Yo offered, but Maria didn't hear. She was already asleep. Maria didn't hear Mom and Dad come in and kiss her goodnight. She didn't hear Chris when he left the heating pad on the chair by her dresser. The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 6, The Wedding Dress Disaster, written by Eric Stoffel, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.